All right, friends, let's go ahead and have a seat. We're going to jump into the word this morning. We have a special guest that's joining us, and I want to give him just as much time as he needs to share the word with us this morning. We are in a series in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be taking this series throughout the remainder of the summer. And this week, the topic of the day is, how do I find true love? And we're going to be finding out what the wisdom of the scriptures as it relates to relationships, possibly marriage, finding the right person in our life. And I honestly cannot think of a better person that I know of personally that I could ask to share this message with you than my good friend Chris Jackson. And it just so happens that he was in town this week. He was having a little bit of vacation with his wife and one of his daughters. And I said, bro, you have to help me out. I said, we're on a series in Proverbs, and this is right up your wheelhouse. And I said, would you come and please speak into the house? Now, the beautiful thing is, before we merged from Antioch into the New Life family, Pastor Chris was here. How many of you guys were here on that Sunday when he shared about understanding our story exactly? And, and uh, Sidron has been speaking that message for months ever since Pastor Chris shared that. And he just gave us what I think was a timely and a wise and a heavenly perspective for this house as we moved into that next chapter. And I think it's just so fitting that our friend is here. Friends who, uh, who were not here a few months ago, you're going to love Pastor Chris Jackson. Chris, if you would, come on up, man, and break the word with us today. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's awesome to be with you. I love you already. I know some of you, and I love you. The rest of you, I'll just say that, I guess, by, by trust, by faith. But no, this is, um, what, what an incredible church. You guys are just the, the, an amazing blend of a little bit of everything. You've got that presence of God, the Holy Spirit, a sense of, of theology and tradition and warmth and outreach. And it's kind of hard to find all of those things rolled into one package. And it's really very, very special. And I probably said this last time I was here, but Jonathan, your worship team is, it's as good as Elevation and Hillsong and Bethel and uh, Passion. Seriously, you guys are very, very special, very talented. Um, yeah, I'm super happy to, to be with all of you again. I love the Duncans. I love uh, Todd and Carmen Swank and Mariah. So yeah, that's why we're in town. My wife and my daughter will be in the second service, so they'll be here in a little bit. But um, we were just here on vacation, just having a few days to connect and be with them, and um, super happy to be here. And, and you're here, and that means you survived the transition uh, through that merger with uh, New Life. That's awesome. I, I think that's fantastic. I think that I think it's a very healthy thing that's happening. And um, you know, a, a God-inspired merger is awesome because you don't lose your distinctives when you merge. Um, you're still you. I know you're not Antioch anymore, but you're still the strength and the ethos that made Antioch Antioch. And, and so, so in a, a healthy merger, you simply connect with something larger and further reaching. You don't lose your distinctives. You actually add to it and grow from it. A new life is going to be healthier because of you. So I just, I just think this is a wonderful move. I think it's, it's super exciting. And um, I love being back in Colorado Springs. I lived here for seven years. And wow, the city is blowing up. Um, I live in Southern California, and it's probably half my state that has moved to Colorado Springs. 
Um, we tried finding a hotel. It took us five tries yesterday. Just, and I said, is there a big, a big event in the city? And, and they said, yeah, it's called summer. <laughs> it's called summer in Colorado Springs. And so people are loving it. And it's just super great. So, um, so Jessica and I um, are happy to be here. Our youngest is with us. Madeline is a sophomore at Vanguard University uh, near Newport Beach in California. Our oldest daughter, Amber, is home with her husband and her first baby. So as of six weeks ago, I'm a grandfather. So I I thought I would do what all annoying grandparents do, and I would make you look at a picture of my grandchild. So, So that's Amber, and that's Malachi Jonathan Monsibayez. So it's quite a mouthful, and I just have no idea how annoying they are when they make us look at their pictures, but I get it now. And it's just crazy. That, that little guy has done nothing. He has not pulled his weight in one area. And yet we are obsessed. We cannot get enough of him. I actually miss his little body being in my chest right now. But um, Amber's just doing an incredible job as a young mom. And we love her husband, Theo. So it's been all girls in my family. Even our dog was a girl. But we, um, we, we actually had to put our dog down a couple days ago, so it's been kind of an achy time. Um, I never quite understood that when people would grieve over the loss of a pet. And I'm not a dog lover. I'm a Jessica Amber Madeline lover, and thus we got a dog. But we had her for 12 years, and you fall in love. And that's a lot of unconditional love waiting for you at the door. So, so it's been all girls, so it's just so great to have a son-in-law and to have a grandson, and um, it's great. And um, so this theme that Jade gave me is, is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I like the series you're doing from the book of Proverbs, how do I dot, dot, dot. And this idea of how do I find true love is an important question. You know, for some single adults, it might be the most important question. But this question is more than how do I find a sweetheart? Um, I'm going to try and help with that a little bit today but, but there's far more to the question than how do I get a date or how do I attract the right person? Um, if, if God is love, as we heard brilliantly all morning long, then there is always more of love to be experienced. So no matter what your relational status is, no matter, no matter who in your life it is that you love today, whether they're a sweetheart or a best friend or a child, we all need to know How do I find true love in this relationship? It might be, how do I I get the love that I'm looking for? But if I'm already in a relationship, how do I find true love? So I want to try and just pull all of us into this conversation. Now, probably we have some young adults in the room or some older single adults who would love to be married. We, We probably have some single adults who are perfectly content in their singleness and they have no desire to be married. We we no doubt have some happily married couples in the room. We probably have some not so happily married couples in the room. We have widows and widowers in the room. And, And we have people who, without wanting to be single, became single again from losing a spouse. And by the way, that will be most of us who are married. Most of us who are married today will be single again at some point in our lives through losing a spouse. Um, And we probably have 
uh, some people here who have been divorced. And, and I want to say something to the people who've been divorced this morning. Being divorced does not mean that you failed at marriage. Being divorced does not mean that you failed at being married, married any more than the existence of atheism means that God has failed at being God. God is an incredible God, even if some people don't believe in him. It, being divorced does not mean that you necessarily failed in marriage. Success in marriage is not dependent on one spouse. It's dependent on two. That there's only so much that you can control when you are in a relationship with a free-willed human being. Uh, Jessica and I know some amazing people who were awesome spouses, better spouses than a lot of people who are still married, and yet they were divorced. Uh, we, we have a lady in our church who was probably one of the greatest wives you could ever imagine, period. She's cool. She loves God. She's smart. She's easy to relate to. She's beautiful. She was an amazing spouse, but she was married to a man that did not want to be faithful to one woman, no matter how amazing she was. And so they divorced and she feels like she failed at marriage and she did not fail at marriage. She could teach all of our marriage seminars at our church. If I could just get her to, um, there's a, there's a stigma, uh, that, that, covers a lot of people who have been divorced and, and it needs to be broken off of some people. Um, it, now, it, if you need to hear this, would you just let it soak into your soul, okay? Being divorced does not mean that you failed in marriage. Now, if you did fail in marriage, if you were the cause of your divorce or you were a major contributing factor to your divorce, okay, own it. And just respond to God and change your life and make whatever amends you can and then hold your head high. And if you ever get to be married again, be a million times better. But, but I want to I pray here at the outset before we dive into this. And I, I, want, to, I, I want to just kind of position us to try to, to see how do I receive more of the love of God. So whether you're happily married or not so happily married, whether you're single wishing you were married or you're married secretly wishing you were single again, or whether you're missing a spouse or whether you have regret from the past, I wanna start with some prayer and I wanna ask God to just, just position us to receive everything we've talked about today, which is a greater um, measure of the love of God. And so I'm gonna pray. I know we've prayed a lot today, but Jesus said that my house would be a house of prayer so it's not really his house unless we commit some of the time in the house to prayer. So I want us to pray. And then you can open your Bibles to a very simple verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. You know, um, there's always more love to be experienced. There, there's actually research that says that if a married couple makes it to their 35th anniversary, so Jessica and I are at 26, if you make it to your 35th and assuming you're still relatively whole when you get there, all of the newlywed emotions resurface. There's research on this, that there's something about making it for the long haul. And if you actually make it to that point, that there's a resurge of the honeymoon phase 
So I feel like I've got that. I'm super fortunate with Jess, but I want it. I want more of the love of God, and I know we all do. So let's pray, Jesus, right now. It is so obvious that, that this is a holy space. And Lord, whenever ground becomes holy ground, it becomes potentially transformational ground. And so Jesus, right now, would you begin the process of transforming us and repositioning us and reviving us and, and wake, waking up the love in our relationships and then bringing the love to us that we might be hoping for in life? And right here at the outset, God, would you do exactly what I was saying? And would you break any stigma off of any divorced person who just feels like they're always one step behind maybe, or they're never quite, never quite in the club because of having been divorced? Lord, would you please shower them and, and just, just flood their soul today with your spirit and your presence and your grace and and if there's anything that's haunting or, or speaking to them, break it off of them. And open our hearts. God, we love you so much. Amen. So uh, many years ago, uh, a young girl in Korea uh, knocked on the doors of a missionary's church late in the evening. Doors were locked. She starts pounding on the door and after a few minutes, the lights turned on and the door started rattling and... The missionary opened the door and said, can I help you? And, and she asked the question, is this the place that heals broken hearts? Is this the place that heals broken hearts? How would you answer that question? If someone knocked on the doors of New Life Midtown later tonight and asked, is this that safe place that I heard about where, where hearts can heal? I think that God wants to, to heal and strengthen and reposition our hearts. And we'll start this here in a very simple verse in Proverbs 18, 22, that says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, this is a dad writing to a son. If this had been a dad writing to a daughter, he would have said, she who finds a husband finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So whenever you're wondering, how do I find true love? Whether you're hoping for a new love or you're trying to find love in the middle of your existing love, that there's a few thoughts from this passage. Number one, the first thing to realize is this. Number one, understand that a sweetheart is more than a sweetheart. A love relationship, and this could be Christian Milan, this could be best friends. This could be you and your grandchild. This could be you and your spouse. A, a love relationship is more than a relationship. It's favor. Son, you might think you just found a wife, but what you actually found is favor from God. Now, by the way, does that mean if I'm not married, I haven't found God's favor? No. And, and we'll come back to that. But in this life with God, there are so many things that are much bigger than meets the eye. The kingdom of God is so vast and expansive, you can hardly ever look at a specific spot of the Christian faith and really get what's going on. There's always more than meets the eye. For instance, we're going to receive communion here in a few minutes, and there is so much more to the communion elements than a little piece of bread or a little sip of juice that gives you bad breath. 
That, that there's, there's rescue in these elements. There's forgiveness. That there's restoration in these elements. There's always more uh, than meets the eye. In fact, in fact, it's the same way with our spiritual gifts. Uh, listen real quickly to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So your spiritual gift is not primarily a gift. It's grace expressed as a gift. In Romans 12, 6, the apostle Paul says the exact same thing. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 7, he says to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. So your gift is not prophecy. Your gift is grace that you minister through prophesying. Your gift is not helps or service. Your gift is grace that you release while you set up a room in a beautiful way so that meaningful ministry can happen. Your, your teaching gift is not an educating gift. It's a grace dispensing gift that gets released when you minister. So if a person's gifts are not releasing the grace of God, they're not really a gift. So the test of our gifts is, are we releasing the grace of God as we exercise those gifts? But Christ gives grace packaged as gifts. Well, according to Proverbs 18, 22, a wife is more than a wife. She's favor. Well, she doesn't seem like favor. <laughs> the Proverbs also talk about living with a miserable wife. The Proverbs talk about miserable relationships and she doesn't seem like favor to me or he's the, he's, he is not God's favor in my life. That, that might be true. But, but sometimes I, I wonder if we, if we started seeing our sweetheart or our child or our friend as favor. And if we tried relating with them as favor, if we tried interacting with them that way, if it might change the dynamics a little bit. Um, but, but number two, number one, a sweetheart is more than a sweetheart. A sweetheart is actually favor disguised as a sweetheart. But number two, since a sweetheart is more than a sweetheart, since a sweetheart has actually grace disguised, it's favor disguised as a partner in a relationship, then number two, do not settle. Do not settle. If we're dealing with favor, if we're dealing with God's blessing, please don't settle. If you're waiting for that relationship, don't settle for something less than favor. And if you're in a relationship, don't settle for a relationship that's less than God's favor. Um, a God-approved relationship is supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be God's grace. It's supposed to be something amazing. So, so don't settle. If you're comfortable with a four, don't settle with a four. When a little bit of hard work could bump you up to a seven or an eight. God's favor is worth more effort than that. It's so easy for us to get comfortable. And comfort is part of a relationship. It's okay to be old and boring. That's part of God's blessing in your life. As long as old and boring and comfortable is not complacent and a three, 
when you could push a little bit and become a nine or a 10. So don't settle for something mediocre when, when you're striving for God's favor. And, and also don't settle um, just because you're afraid that you're running out of options. You know, I, I, I do totally understand that the older a, per, a person gets, if they're single, the, the more tempted they are to settle. And that makes sense. I'm, I'm 40. I'm not 40. I'm, I'm almost 50. I'm 49. But I'm 50. And, and I tell you what, there's not a lot of single, godly, world-changing, pure, available people out there. And, and I get that. That might be true. But listen, that's only part of the equation. God is always writing brilliant, beautiful, epic stories in people's lives. I've been talking to my church. My church is called Grace. Um, I've been talking to Grace a lot around this, this, this idea that lesser stories can still be beautiful. That the story of humanity got off course from the very beginning. And God just decided to write an epic out of something that was lesser. And, and um, so don't settle God is always writing redemption stories around us. Um, Jessica and I, with Maddie, because Maddie has a boyfriend. This is my youngest, and this means I'm in therapy. <laughs> but um, we, we were listening with her to a sermon that Rick Warren recently gave on relationships. And Rick Warren said, a bad marriage is way worse than being single. He said, a bad dating relationship that's toxic and abusive is a million times worse than being brilliantly single. But, but, but even so, even though we know that, um, it, gets, it, it gets tempting to settle. Well, getting up there. Well, tried a lot of options. Um, don't settle. In fact, let me remind you of another proverb. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Since we're tempted to settle at times in our lives, I want to remind you of some advice that a father gives his son in Proverbs 4.23. And in fact, this advice that this father is about to dispense is the most important piece of counsel that he could ever give. And do you ever think about what that would be for you? If somebody said, what is the number one a best piece of advice you could ever give me. If you could just give one pearl of wisdom to Milan, if there was one thing you could say to Kenya or to those kids that you coach on your AYSO soccer team, if there was one thing you could say to them, what would you tell them? Well, in this Proverbs, a dad who was probably Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, said this, Proverbs 4.23, he said, above all else, so more than any piece of counsel I can give you, I mean, catch the weight of this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The, the old King James version said, keep your heart with all diligence for the issues of life are from it. The, the New American Standard and the English Standard version said that, that, that the streams of life are in it. The, I, I like the message. It says, um, Keep your heart with all diligence, for that's where life starts. Wow. Life starts not in the, the fist-sized muscle that beats about 115,000 times per day and pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood through your system every day. It's quite a muscle. But your inner man, your inner being, your heart is unbelievably powerful. Uh, one of the many... 
TV series that Jessica and I binge watched during COVID was Chernobyl. Did any of you watch Chernobyl? Wasn't it good? It was so good. Um, so Chernobyl, of course, is the story of the, the Soviet Union nuclear power plant, Chernobyl, that was based in the Ukraine. And we all know about Chernobyl either from history or from just school or from Netflix. But um, the, in 1986, Chernobyl had a, a nuclear meltdown. And nuclear power is insanely powerful. 25% of all of the electricity in the States is generated by nuclear power. The power that's released from the splitting of the atom can generate life and strength for a country or it can decimate a country if it's not harnessed right. Well, in 1986, the, the power plant overheated. The, the safety chamber that was housing the nuclear elements overheated and it had an explosion. And when, when Chernobyl melted down, the, the radiation that was pouring out of the roof was so intense, helicopters could not fly overhead to put the fire out. They said the land around it would be radioactive for 24,000 years. In fact, at one moment when they were reporting on this, the, the commentators said that the roof of Chernobyl, where the radiation was pouring out, has just become the deadliest spot on planet Earth. And your heart, according to Solomon, in your life, in your world, your heart is nuclear. Your heart is a miniature Chernobyl um, pounding inside of you. The state of your heart will determine the state of your life. This is the wisest person who ever lived saying, if I could put it all into one sentence, guard your heart. And what do we guard? We guard things that are valuable, vulnerable, and powerful. You guard the crown jewels of a country because they're so valuable. You guard a baby in the nursery because they're so vulnerable. And you guard a nuclear power plant because it is unbelievably powerful. And listen, your heart is all three. You're his treasure. But when you're thinking about who to give this, this nuclear power plant to, you're his treasure. Jesus loved you enough to give his life for you. Nobody's done that. You're, you're also vulnerable. If you give your heart to the wrong person, it could break you or it could break them. And your heart is unbelievably powerful. The human heart can end poverty. The human heart can push back against sex trafficking. The human heart can, can bring change in society. It's a powerful source. So, 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 so don't settle. If you're single, um, maximize your singleness. Be brilliantly single rather than settling. Um, the, the word single means separate, unique, and whole. And a lot of people jump into relationships before they're truly separate or unique or whole. A lot of us in relationships aren't fully separate, unique, and whole yet. Even as you merge and become one, it's like that, that church merger. A healthy merger makes you stronger and better, but you don't dissolve your distinctives. You're still you. So you still need to be separate, unique, and whole even as you're merging in this relationship. Um, don't settle. And having, having said that, don't settle. You might end up with somebody who is not what you expected this is not the script I would have written, but there's still everything I ached for. 
there's still everything I ever could have needed. So in saying don't settle, I'm not saying live for a fantasy and don't, don't look at any other options. God's plan might be packaged so different than what you expected, but it won't be a settling. It won't be requiring you to, to let go of your values or your convictions. In fact, in um, uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, Paul says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Paul's perspective was, wait a minute, you're God's favor, and God is your favor, and that is central and important. And I realize, for me to tell a single adult, and I'm trying to talk to everybody in the room, single or married, but to talk to a single adult and for me to say, listen, I know you don't have a sweetheart, but you have Jesus. That can sound a little bit hollow because you might be the most, the most Jesus-loving person in the world and you might still be longing for a relationship. That's how God made you. But I will tell you something. I know some incredible single people who have such a depth of relationship with Jesus Christ that, that even though they want to be married, they're not about to give up this space that they cultivated unless it is clearly his will. Yeah, I would love a boyfriend. I would love a girlfriend. I would love a spouse, but I have cultivated something. I have touched something so real and so alive that, that I'm willing to share it with the right person, but I'm not willing to give that up for the wrong person. So don't settle. So again, whether you're contentedly married or frustratedly married or contentedly single or wishing you weren't, um, when that day comes for you, I want it to be favor. You want it to be plan A, not a faithless plan B, C, D, or E. B, C, D, or E always hurts you. And some people have to go there anyway. And then we just love them and walk with them and, and they learn from it. But, but God's desire would be hold out for, for plan A. Hold out for favor. Okay. Real quickly, a couple more. Number three, let love find you. How do I find true love? Well, number three, let love find you first. See, when you find a wife, you're actually receiving something that's already been moving towards you. Son, uh, whoever finds a wife receives favor from the Lord. So in your quest for love, love is already on a quest for you. King David said this masterfully at the end of the 23rd Psalm. Do you remember when he said, um, surely goodness and mercy. And the word surely could be translated only or truly. When it's all said and done, when I look back on my life, it was only goodness and mercy following me. It was God's love chasing me, hunting me all the days of my life. Man, I, I wish I had slowed down enough to let it catch me. Some people run so fast, but we're so distracted, we're so busy, we're so, we're so pressing for what's next, we're so reaching for, for substitutes, we don't let the love of God catch us. Do you know why God wants you to stop and have a Sabbath and slow down and catch your breath? Because he knows that his love is in pursuit. But sometimes these humans, we humans can be pretty quick and we can just keep running, 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 looking for something that's actually already on our heels if we would just stop and let it catch us. So, so, so do you know how to connect with the love of God? Do you know how 
to hear the Holy Spirit tell you that he loves you. Because I could, say, I could say God loves you, true or false, and you could all say true, and you could all get an A. I could stand up here and say, hey, God loves you, or God told me to tell you he loves you, and that would mean something. But, but if God told you, babe, I adore you, God says, babe. <laughs> if God said, said, son, daughter, I see you. It, 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 it's wonderful when Pastor Jade says it, and it was powerful. But, but do you know how to hear the spirit on the inside of you speaking that to you? That might actually be a good series title to add, you know, how do I let love find me? But um, you're, you're going to need that ability, by the way, even in a great relationship. That's part of what makes a relationship great. A great relationship is when two whole people know how to draw their primary source of life and love from Jesus and then bring it together. And so love has to find you if you're wanting to find true love. And then there's another thought too. When you realize that love is chasing you and when you let love catch you, you realize your singleness is not due to a deficiency. If you're a single adult, it doesn't mean you're deficient. It doesn't mean you're not attractive enough. There are so many single people way more attractive than married people. There are single people with much better personalities. There are some married people who are absolute duds. And again, that's okay if it works for them. But being single does not mean I don't have the personality. I don't have the goods. I'm not attractive enough. But if love hasn't caught you, you're vulnerable at interpreting your life story wrong. Wow, what's wrong with me that I can't find love? You've got to let love find you so you can process that question more accurately. How do I let love find me? Um, number four, last point. Knowing that you're loved. Knowing that you're enough. Knowing that a sweetheart is actually favor, disguised as a sweetheart. And thus treating the sweethearts in your life like God's favor. Um, number four is uh, you find love. The father said to his son, he who finds a wife. So some things can't be found unless they're looked for. Isn't that right? Um, yes, God can do anything. And this is a pretty spiritual church and God can do anything. So maybe you'll walk around the corner from your job tomorrow and bump right into the person of your dreams. And they could make a movie out of it and that would be awesome and I hope that it happens. <laughs> On the other hand... Abraham's servant went looking for Rebekah to bring back to Isaac. David had to bring back 100 Philistine foreskins, and he brought back 200. Can I just say something about that story? <laughs> so David wanted to win the heart. This was the dowry gift for the daughter of the king, for the princess. Philistines don't give that up. That means he killed 200 Philistines. I don't know that he brought those back. I think he just brought back 200 heads and said, hey, here they are. If you want them, they're yours. But, um, but uh, Caleb had a daughter named Aksa. And Caleb said, hey, if any of you young men want her, here's a city, go conquer it. So Othniel went and conquered the city to get the girl. Um, some things have to be searched for. So don't just pray and struggle, pray and date. And if you do date, date well. Remember, you're dating favor, and you are God's favor as you date. 
So if dating is something, some people don't want to date, but if you, if you date, I want you to date so well that if that relationship ends, they would be better for knowing you. I want you to date so well that there's no trauma for them having been with you. I want their self-esteem to be better for having been in your life. So if you choose to, to date someone, and, and, and you're going to have to at least sit down and have a conversation, and some people call that a date. So if, if you're dating someone, um, I, 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 want, I, want us, I don't want the people in my church, I, I want you to do it so well that if it ends, they might say, yeah, you know what, he wasn't for me. No, she was not who I was looking for, but wow, they are going to be God's favor for someone, and I'm better for knowing them. So listen, if you're single today, you, you might not be single the next time I'm in town and Jade asks me to speak. Or you might not be single next decade. Um, but in the meantime, whether it's a short time or a long time or, or forever, you are not in a subclass because you're single. So be brilliantly single. Amen. Worship God in your singleness. Understand who you are. Listen for his voice. And if you, listen, if you do all of that and you always stay single, I might be baffled with you. And Jade and Christy might just cry with you and we don't get it because you would be a perfect in a relationship. You can't control these things. But I promise you, if you live that way, it will not have been a wasted life. And a lifetime of eternity with the one who is love and came up with the idea of romance and poetry and epic relationships is going to be vastly greater than a few decades of adulthood on planet Earth. So find your purpose. Spend your life for a great cause. Go looking for favor. Be positioned for it. Um, and if you're in a relationship today and it's not where you want it to be, hey, this, this is the perfect timing. Um, you, well, you're in the Olympic City, right? Isn't that what the Springs is now? And, and, and this is the Olympic summer. You might need to just declare your own little personal Olympic games and say, in, in the story of my life and in my relationships, I am going for the gold. Listen, you haven't peaked, so don't live on a plateau. There's more to be experienced. So live brilliantly in your singleness and never settle for mediocrity in your relationships. And if we live this way, then... then we will either receive everything God has for us or we'll at least be able to say, hey, I tried. I stepped up to the plate and I lived my life well. Um, listen, in America today, and I'm done, so I don't know if we have a little mood music or, or I don't know how we do it at New Life Midtown. Doesn't that make the ending more powerful? So in America today, Was that awkward? One out of every two and a half marriages end in divorce in America today. One out of every two and a half marriages. Except for one particular niche in society. There is credible research, and you can fact check this. There's credible marriage research that says that if a married couple does three things together, if they attend church weekly, and church attendance practices are diminishing in America, but that doesn't mean we have to go with it. If they attend church weekly, and you can say regularly because you're allowed a vacation, um, if they pray together regularly, and if they read the scriptures, 
their marriage only ends in divorce one out of 1,100 times. There's credible research on this. This isn't people who say they're a Christian. That's not, that's, not the, that's, that's not what the survey is. If you actually go to church, you actually pray together, you actually read scriptures. If that's actually how you orient and ground your life, the rest of the marriages in our world are ending one out of every two and a half. But of those people, and that might not be all of you people, but, but, it, but it needs to be. Of those people, it's one out of every 1,100 marriages. So if you're single, don't play the odds on one out of every two and a half. And if you're married, you, have a, you pretty much have a guarantee because I can't be in his presence and be in his word and be in his face and not have him deal with me when he needs to and change me and have him work in my life. So don't settle. You are worth waiting for and favor is worth waiting for. Let's honor God in our singleness and let's honor God in our relationships, amen. Why don't you all stand? We're gonna use communion today as a recommitment ceremony and all of our relationships. So why don't you come on forward um, when you're ready, grab the elements and, and as we do here at New Life Midtown, just take them back to your seat and then we'll receive the elements together in just a moment. the top layer and get both of the element tabs ready to go and pull out that wafer just hang on to that for a second one thing I love about Jade and Christy and I see the same thing in Jonathan and Bonnie your whole team is I love the blend of something new and something old in your church God is always doing a new thing we always have to be listening for what the spirit's doing but whatever he does it's still anchored to church history it's anchored to theology and people who paid a price before us. So we're just one link in the long chain of, of church history. And, and I love the theology that we sang about today and the, the picture of Jesus that we heard even in the, the singing. Well, one of the older school preachers, Charles Spurgeon, used to tell young preachers, whenever you find a text, read your text and then make a beeline for the cross. Because the whole scripture is about Jesus. It's not about you and me. It, it, it ropes us into it. The story of David and Goliath is not about how do you overcome your giants. It's about how did Jesus step into the valley and take on Goliath first so that we can follow in his wake. Well, as we talk about relationships, Jesus is everything. We're talking about all the different kinds of relationships. He's father. So, so he covers the parent-child relationship with you. He's friend. He said there's no greater love than to lay your life down for a friend. And that's, that's a great sermon, but he did it. And he's sweetheart. 
He's the essence of love. He's, he's everything your heart's been longing for and aching for. And so when we receive communion, whether we're emphasizing the fact that this, this bread and this cup, symbolic of the body and the blood, the life that Jesus gave away. See, in, in, in our culture, when we, when we compare the juice to blood, it's weird and, and it's bizarre. It wasn't like that for Hebrew people. In Hebrew culture, the life was in the blood. So they didn't think death or weird or macabre. They thought life, that this is the life of God poured out for us. Jesus gave his life for you. He's everything that you've longed for. And whether we're focusing on how him giving his life bought your forgiveness, it it gave you a fresh start, or it, it, it reopened access for a relationship with your heavenly father, no matter what we're emphasizing, communion is always a renewal ceremony. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wedding vow renewal service that you have every week to say, hey, I'm still in. You're never gonna leave and I'm not leaving either. And when we take the bread and when we break it, and once you go ahead and break it, we're just recognizing that his brokenness covers all of mine. And when we take the cup, we're realizing that his life has swallowed up mine and the worst sob story has a new beginning and a new start in him. And so what I want us to do, and we'll take this in just a second, I want you to recommit to your relationships, recommit to your marriage, recommit to your singleness. Doesn't mean you don't go on dates. I hope you go out tonight. Recommit to your best friends, recommit to your children or your foster children or the children that you've adopted. So let's recommit to being God's favor to the favor that he's given to us. Jesus, thank you. So let's receive the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for the cup. We love you. We want to be more like you and we want to know you more. God, very final words today. Let love overtake us. Let any person who needs it be tackled by the love of God. Let's drink the cup together. Amen. Love you guys. You guys give my good friend just you are the quintessential pastor bro I'm telling you I counted how many times you said the word brilliant or brilliantly and it was brilliant you did a brilliant job today I've known this man for 17 years he actually hired me and brought me out to Colorado Springs along with my wife and Chris we are just honored to know you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your 26 years of marriage. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus over and over again. And thank you on your vacation to pour into this family. We are deeply, deeply grateful. Give him another hand this morning. All right, friends, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to send you out here in just one minute. Um, We have to do a little bit of retraining as a family. And that retraining is how do we stay on top of or in the know of so many things that are happening here in our New Life family. And we have four ways for you to stay in the know. Number one, it's just the website, midtown.newlifechurch.org, midtown.newlifechurch.org. 
And when you go to that website, there's actually a little place at the bottom of that website that will do two very important things. If you feel that you want to keep knowing what's happening here in this body of believers, there's a little link that says sign up for Pastor Jade's email. And that will will put you in our database and you will receive a newsletter that comes out every week. Sometimes it has videos. It gives you a headliner and a highlight of everything that's going on here. Guys, we have baptisms that are coming up in four weeks. We have a service in the park that's coming up in three weeks. We have a men's event that's coming up in two weeks. There's co- Last night we had a ladies event. There's constantly things that are happening, but we can't take five and ten minutes in our service every week to let you know what those things are. Four ways to know. The website, the newsletter, Facebook, and the app. All right? So I'm going to begin trusting you to go to those four places and sign up and register and become more deeply involved. A lot of great things happening this summer. Okay, Jonathan, we're going to skip the doxology. All right? And friends, I am going to bless you if you just lift up your hands like this. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you that we have found a good thing in you. We thank you that you have chased us down that love has pursued us. And now, Father, as we go out into the world as the faithful presence of Jesus, I pray that we, that you, that you, New Life Midtown, my brothers and my sisters, my friends and my guests, that you would be the favor of God to every space that God calls you to inhabit. That when you're at restaurants and you're at grocery stores, that when you're with your family, when you're with your coworkers, strangers, neighbors, aliens, and friends, I pray today that you would be the favor of God, that you would be a bright shining witness, that hope would be on your lips, that the charis grace of God would be expressed through the gift of your life to the people that are around you. And in so doing, we will find that Colorado Springs and our surrounding areas will look more and more like heaven because the people of God are looking more and more like Jesus. And I pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Bless you. Amen.